0: If you did not get a worship guide, that's how you can kind of take notes and follow along and know what's going on here. Just raise your hand. Somebody will come around. We have some good-looking guys that are going to help you with that and get you a pen if you want to follow along with us, kind of our handy-dandy worship guide. I want to welcome you guys to Connect. What an incredible worship experience. I'm so proud of our team. Can we give them a big hand real quick? They did a great job. I'm so, so proud of them. if you don't know me, my name is Pastor Derek, and I want to welcome you to, uh, to church. Sometimes we have kind of a swap of, of people. We have some of our regular attenders that kind of go off to be with family in different locations. And then we have people that are coming in visiting family. And so either way, we're so glad that you're with us on Christmas Eve, and uh, we've had a great day so far in our last service, and we believe this will be even better. Can I have an amen? amen. Will you do me a favor? Would you join me in welcoming all our online and cable viewers with a big hand? We want to welcome you guys. Thanks for being with us and watching with us on Christmas Eve. Tremendous. Um, Today's message, I hope, is going to really motivate you, inspire you, and strengthen you. Uh, You know, one of the things that I love about Christmas, and I love Christmas. I really do. Um, More than anything, I can't wait to eat tomorrow. So I worked out a little longer today so that I could, uh, you know, go into that food coma. Guilt-free. Come on, somebody. (laughs) But one of the things I, in addition that I love about Christmas is, is I love Christmas music. Any Christmas music lovers in the house, raise your hand. Come on. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Michael Buble. Come on. Oh, all the girls are like, ha <laughs> Oh, my Lord Jesus. Pray for these people. <laughs> How many of you like the crazy carolers? You know, like you like to, you like, you don't want to listen. You want to sing right? How many like those? Yeah, okay. Some of you shouldn't sing, okay? (laughs) Someone needs to tell you that, and it doesn't need to be Simon on American Idol. I'm telling you right now. Okay, so those crazy carolers, yeah. So we were having a Christmas party uh, yesterday with some close friends, and I won't mention their names, the Cuneos. They live at such and such. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, But we were were like in a room, and we were singing Christmas carols. We pull out these instruments and bells and I don't know, crazy symbols and stupid stuff. And, and all the guys are, like, non-compliant at first. And at the end, we're like, whoa, whoa. You know? <laughs> we all act like we don't care. We don't like it. But at the end, we're like, this is awesome. Uh, typical male. Anyway, we're going through these songs. And, and my wife, she's, 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 you know, really trying to get us to be serious because we're, you know, because the Cuneos want to go out, and we want to go door to door. And so we eventually go door to door. And we thought we were all that in a bag of chips until we get to the front door. <laughs> and they open up. We're like, oh. <laughs> you know, we all just froze there, and it wasn't because it was cold, it's because we couldn't remember the words, we couldn't remember the stinking words, so my, my, my advice to you is before you get out there, start singing, make sure you know the words to the songs, people. My sister, when I was growing up, she was notorious for like making up words, like making new songs, and you do that, some of you do that, Right? I mean, we grew up, and we used to watch this movie, it's dating me way back now, but Grease. Anybody remember the Grease movie? Go, Grease, lightning, you know? And uh, I won't do that, but there was this, there was songs, and she'd make, make up words, and Olivia Newton-John singing, tell me more, tell me more, diddy. And, and she had a boy in school she liked, and she sang Tommy Moore, Tommy Moore. Like, it was, <laughs> like that's our neighbor, Janelle. Anyway. And then we had this like Christian anthem that we would sing at church, you know, and and everybody would sing the song, I'll hail the power of Jesus' name. And then we would all like kind of like symbolically respond, you know, let angels prostrate fall. But when my sister sang it, hang on everybody, she would sing let angels prostate fall. (laughs) Yeah, hashtag Ouch. You know, kids say the darndest things, you know. I thought angels were sexless beings. But anyway, it's, <laughs> apparently. Uh, so, is, is it just, you know, if you're going to get out there and do the Christmas thing and, and party and have a good time, let's make sure we get the lyrics right on the songs. In fact, by the way, I'm doing all this because I like to have fun, okay. So we're going to get serious in a little bit. So just, you know, hold on, okay. Don't worry about it. But um, there's a survey done by Amazon.com, okay. God's store. by the way, for those of us who don't plan. And they did a survey of thousands of people of the top ten, you know, lyric foul-ups of Christmas music. Top ten. I won't do them all because it takes too long, although I'm tempted. Um, but you guys know the song, We Three Kings of Orient Are, right? We Three Kings of Orient Are. And they were singing that, and apparently people sing it, We Three Kings of Porridge and Tar. So that's common. <laughs> that's a problem. How many know Grandma Got Ran Over by a Reindeer? I don't know how this song got made up. I really don't know. Somebody was drinking a little bit too much eggnog and something in it. And so the correct lyrics are: Grandma got run over by a reindeer walking home from our house on Christmas Eve. That's the correct one. But apparently, something in the eggnog, Grandma got ran over by a reindeer walking home from outhouse from the outhouse on Christmas Eve. <laughs> so I don't know what was there Mexican food that night. I don't know what was going on, but they had to go to the outhouse. So anyway. <laughs> Then there's Joy to the World, okay? So I think some kids got a hold of this song and mixed it all up. And so, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Well, these kids apparently sing it, joy to the world, the Lord has (laughs) come. So you might not be able to chew it in church, but you can have it in heaven, praise the Lord. And then we'll take it down a little bit, but like Silent Night, I think some teen harassment was going on here at school. And so the correct... Line is, round yon virgin, mother and child. But they were singing round John virgin. So (laughs) it's like a teenage boy. They made fun of him, you know. And anyway, all right, I'll skip some of these. 12 Days of Christmas, Jingle Bells. we will move along. Deck the halls. Now, Christmas is supposed to be fun, right? Filled with frivolity and joy. And so the, the song says, dawn we know our gay apparel, right? And so it's supposed to be this happy clothing, gay apparel. But they, apparently thousands of people sing it, Dawn, we know our days of peril. <laughs> like, wow. Like, Armageddon, you know, for Christmas. This one I really love, the winter, winter Wonderland, right? Everybody knows Winter Wonderland. And uh, the song goes, later on we'll conspire, right? As we what? Dream by the fire. Okay, but apparently a lot of people are singing it, later on we'll conspire. No, we we perspire. That's what it is. We perspire as we sweat by the fire. So that was that was that one. So all right, I'll stop. Turn to your neighbor. And say we're having fun in church. Okay. <laughs> so we're gonna get we're gonna get the words right because we're gonna go to God's word transition. See how I did that? We're gonna get the words right by going to God's word. And our theme text today is Luke two. It's the Christmas story. Uh, you you just can't you just can't add to it. Or delete from it; it does it all by itself. But this is basically a powerful moment in human history. Two thousand years ago, in this little dusty town of Bethlehem, unto us Isaiah nine six tells us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And he and he, and, and, and when he came in this little dusty town, everything changed in that moment. Everything changed. Humanity changed. Even our calendar changed. Time changed. History was divided before Christ. And, and after he died, Ano Domina means in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so his day, his birthday, marked the calendar forever. His birthday marks your birthday. That's how significant it is. But what's even more significant is that God came off of his throne. He divested himself of all his divine privileges and superpowers, as I like to say. And he came in the lowliest of ways. He came as one of us so that we could come to him. It's amazing. And so I'm going to say something that might shock some of you. Some of you know this, but I don't think we really think about it. But God had a baby (laughs) with a human. His name is Jesus. And it's seemingly scandalous. And that's why an angel had to kind of explain it and unpack this to the people that were there. I would need an angel. (laughs) My teenage daughter came to me and said, I had a baby. Yeah, well, who's the father? Well, God is. Uh-huh. <laughs> Unless an angel shows up. It ain't no father. I need to see this boy. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> but what was cool here is that she's impregnated by the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, the very nature of God changes. And I don't think we sometimes think about this. Okay, before then God wasn't, he wasn't human. He didn't come in human form. In fact, one of the things that pastors, theologians, things that, one of the things I learned when I was in seminary, I mean the seminary, sorry about that, sorry about that. Uh, my bad, just kind of a, it's a reoccurring tape. Uh, but one of the things that I learned when I was there is, is this, this term called the immutability of God. It basically, he's talking about the, that God doesn't change. Malachi tells us, I'm the Lord, I change not. But, but I'm confused because he did change. Then he became a man he became a man. In John 1:14 it says the word became flesh and dwelt among men. Amazing. Amazing. And what's so cool is that he didn't just come become a man and then when he left, he didn't relinquish that humanity. No, he stayed human. He stayed human. In fact, in 1 Timothy 2:5 it says there's this mediator, one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. You the man. No, you the man. No, you the man. He's still a man. He didn't relinquish that humanity. And so if you think about this, and I don't know if this is in your notes, but if it isn't, write this down anyway. This being God with us was so important that he would even change his eternal nature to be with us. He would change his nature, Emmanuel, God with us. This is a big deal because our our belief system, our belief in this one Uh, God is portrayed so uniquely because he's not something that is ethereal, distant. He's not some disinterested, dictator, you know, um, oppressive being. No, God wants to be family with you and me. So much so, he'll become one of us to connect with us. You You see that, everybody? You see, Jesus is comfortable with commonness. He's comfortable with that. It's true he came from power. It's true he came from uh, uh, divinity. It's true he still remains divine. It's true that, that he came from heavenly realms. That's absolutely true. But when he was born, he wasn't born into greatness. He wasn't born into a palace or a pristine palace or, or elaborate temple or things something like that. He wasn't born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He was born in an animal feeding trough. And historically, we have romanticized this into a manger, but the manger was an animal feeding trough, everybody. Would you put your newborn baby in an animal feeding trough? I heard a, I heard a lady say, well, I stayed up all night last night with the baby. I thought about it. <laughs> Shh. Okay. But, you know, later on when Jesus grew up, I'm just imagining, you know, and he, he, maybe his room was a little messy and Mary comes in and says, you know, what, what Jesus, were you born in a barn? Well, actually, I was, Mom. Yeah, I was. I mean, he was born in a barn. He was born in an animal feeding trough, okay? It wasn't an easy life for him either. He started before he even came into the world. You know, his life was threatened. Babies were being killed. He had to leave from where he was to go to Egypt. When he came into this world, it was with all kinds of difficulty and danger around him. He had to live amongst commoners. He grew up in this little town that we wouldn't have known about if it wasn't for the Savior, you know? We wouldn't know about where he grew up, Nazareth. We wouldn't know about those kind of places. And he hung around with normal people, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and the like. And the reality is that we are familiar with the Christmas story, but we don't understand that that familiarity, don't let it become overly familiar so that you disconnect, but you realize he did that to connect with you as family, to get close to you. He he did that for you and for me, and we often don't recognize, actually, that the first people that he that he engaged, were not the first people that I would engage if I was God. I mean, think about it. The first people that he came to were shepherds. It wasn't, it wasn't the, the elite. It wasn't the religious elite. It wasn't the, the kings and queens of earth. I would have come in the middle of the Super Bowl, halftime show, baby. I would have made a big splash. It would have been the best show ever. That's when I would have showed up, but, but he didn't do that. And so he comes to shepherds who were considered the outcasts of society. And they represented that which is unclean, that which is untouchable, that which is actually unacceptable. And by virtue of their profession, they couldn't go to temple. They couldn't go to the king's courts. They weren't allowed in those types of places because of their job. So God made it his job to come to them significant to you and I. It sends a message that should last through all eternity. So how does God show us he's real? Write this down. The first thing is God meets us where we are. He meets you and me in our perfection. He meets you and I sometimes in our disconnect from God. In Luke chapter 2, uh, this Christmas story resounds with this theme as it says this in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to these shepherds. God's messenger shows up directly to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them. And they were terrified. They weren't used to this. And, 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 and so he comes to send a message about his son, and what I love about this is he first comes to shepherds. And, and we, we don't have to get all our stuff all worked out before we can come to God, because God is coming to you. He's coming to you. He's coming to you in innocence and in simplicity and he's coming to you in, in in an environment where you are. Not in not trying to get you to acclimate to his environment. He acclimates to yours. How many people have you known through your life and maybe you're one of those maybe even Here on a thread, you've thought to yourself, well, I'll I'll get connected with God or I'll get back in church once I get a few things worked out. Once I clean myself up. Has anybody heard something like that or thought something like that in your life? That's a two-hander for me. I mean, I have friends who have said that, oh, you know, if I showed up at your church PD, I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident, you know, a lightning bolt would strike me as I cross the threshold. I mean, this is the kind of things that people joke about. But really, they're revealing their belief system or their theology. We all do that. We have these things that we got to get worked out. Why is that the case? Because our view of God will determine our relationship with God. How you see him will determine your approach or your receptivity to his approach to you. It will affect you. God wants to meet you where you are just as you are. But I think a lot of times, I, I don't know about you, but I feel unworthy. I, don't, I think, well, you know, I know me. So, so how could he accept me? Because I, I know me. But when you read this story, you can see how God, he pursues and how much he loves us. In Luke 2, he didn't remain an innocent baby there in the animal trough. He grows up in Luke two fifty two, It says he grew in, in, in stature and favor with both God and man. And he began to go out into the world and show the Father's heart in the world. Show the, the character and personality of God to the world. And what I think is interesting about God, it, it represented in Christ there, the word becoming flesh is Even though he was divine, he was approachable. No one was ever afraid to come to God. You know, yeah, sometimes there were disagreements. Sometimes, uh, uh, different times later, he was mocked and insulted. But no one was ever afraid to approach Jesus. You can look at multiple examples. The woman caught in the act of adultery, uh, the, the, the you know, kind of the pagan soldier who didn't get it, or the woman at the well. Nobody was afraid to approach God. That's why the Old Testament prophecy foretold and called him Emmanuel. He'll be God with us. Not just then, by the way. Not just then, but now. Not just then, but today. He's still God with us. And I hope at the end of the service you'll see how God can still be with us. That's the point of his coming into this earth was to establish a personal connection but an ongoing relationship with you or I. Here's the next point. When Christ is in us, Christ's likeness has to come out of us. When Christ gets into our life for real, there's a connection made, then Christ's likeness comes out of us. You see this depicted or a picture of this in the virgin birth. Uh, the virgin birth is a big picture of how close that God wants to be with you and with me. He wants to be in us, not just with us. Isn't that cool? It's a picture. Colossians 1.27 tells us, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Ephesians chapter three verse six says, that through his spirit in your inner being, so that, you, so that he may dwell in your hearts through faith. And then you're rooted and established in love and continue to grow up. He wants to make you a new creation in Christ Jesus, the Bible tells us. And so when I look back and I see Mary, you know, and the state that she was in, there was a time when Mary was very pregnant. How many women in here have had children before? Raise your hand. You know what it's like to be very pregnant. Stacey and I would say we're pregnant, but how many know I didn't know what pregnant was? Like she knew what pregnant was. Come on, somebody. Like she said, we're pregnant. And sometimes the woman gets to a place in the gestation period or in that final trimester where it's like, this baby has to come out or somebody's going to die. You know what I mean? Like, it's something like that. Something like that. I don't know. Maybe that happened. I don't know. Maybe that happened. We have four kids, maybe once or twice. But I can remember when my wife was pregnant with Mallory, Devin, Devin, excuse me, my wife was, yeah, my wife was pregnant with Mallory. Devin's on her back, right? Right? In a backpack, Mallory's in her belly, and we're playing tennis because she's like, for the love of Moses, this baby better come out of here. You know what I mean? And she's swinging for the rafters because that baby needs to come out. The baby needs to come out. Women, if you've been there, you know when it's your time. I think it's similar with our relationship with Christ because when he gets in us, there's, if it's real, then it has to come out of us. This is, this is why sometimes I don't think we really got it right in the first place because the result of Christ in us is he must come out of us. We are transformed, not informed. We're not the same. We're different because he's in us. If we really receive by grace through faith what he did for us. Can I have an amen? The Bible says it's in him we live and move and have our being. Here's the next point. When Christ is in you, if he's really in you, there's nothing you need. There's nothing you need. There's nothing you lack or long for or need. It's not that there aren't physical needs, but they don't take you over or consume you. You may have a problem. You may have a situation in your life, but Christ in you can help you overcome that problem or that situation that you have in your life. Jesus actually told us that you would have problems and troubles and tribulations and trials. Or oh, My father would say, tests is tests, tests in this world. But Jesus, if you take courage, Jesus will help you overcome. Because when he's in you, you can overcome anything that's going on around you. So I don't care if you have an addiction of some sort. It could be mental. It can be physical. It could be some kind of, whatever we call them, bondages sometimes. Worry, anxiety, depression, some kind of oppression. You can't get over that unless Jesus Christ is both not with you but in you as well. Amen. He wants to be that to you. These shepherds are on the hillside and they hear Christ has been born. And then this angel says this in Luke 2.10. But the angel said to them, do not, be, do, do not be afraid. I bring good news. See, it's good news, everybody. Right. That will cause great joy. I t- see, I think if it's not causing great joy, it's because we got bad news. We didn't get the news right in the first place. We're reading the wrong newspaper. Okay, But it will cause great joy for all people. See, the angel is saying this isn't for some people. This isn't just for church people. There are people driving by right now saying, look at all the church people going to church on Christmas Eve. Isn't that nice, all the church people going to church? No, this is for all people. What we are talking about in here is supposed to affect what's happening out there and in here. Can I have an amen? And so it's for everybody. All this the angel was saying on Christmas Day is for you, editorially, everyone but also me personally. And so he's not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. I might be talking loud, but I'm not mad at you. God is madly in love with you. And let me tell you something. You may not realize this, and you might be far from God, and you showed up here today. He's been pursuing you your whole life. He's, he's pursuing you. He's after your heart. He's after your heart. Growing up, I didn't get this. I grew up in, in church most of my life, and and, and, and I concluded, and as a teenager, I, I started to work this out. But I thought, if I was good, I was loved. If I was bad, I was, I was out of the family. I, I didn't understand divorce and discussion. Like, if I get in a fight with my wife, we're not divorced. We just had a discussion. <laughs> You see we do this with the family of God we think because I sin I make a mistake I cross the line oh I'm out I'm out I'm out I'm out I'm out that's religion not relationship no. God didn't come to give you religion he came to give you relationship and when you feel that distance it's so that you you realize oh man it's so much better to be in right standing I need to do everything I can to get back in tight with God again not oh I can't measure up I can't measure up he's rejected me no he's just saying I'm waiting for you to reconci- I reconcile I want to reconcile I want to be in right standing with you and I made to wait for that to happen. But I lived this roller coaster religious life most of my life. And at certain points, I, I, at certain points in my life, I just said, you know what? Here's the Heisman. I don't want to have anything to do with it anymore. Don't remind me about all of my sin with the religion that's out there. And I wondered if I was on God's naughty or his nice list. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I think our doctrine sometimes as people is, is, is the song Santa Claus is Coming to Town. I do. Have you ever seen the lyrics for this song, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, everybody? Let let me me read these to you. This is profound, profound (laughs) stuff getting ready to come. Okay? All right. Here's what it is. You better watch out. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. See, I'm convinced this was written by a really perturbed parent with their kids. You better not proud, and you better not cry. Santa Claus is coming. He's making a list, and he's checking it twice. He's gonna find out if you're naughty or nice. I think you got to have the eyebrow, you know, going like, you know what I mean? Like the Wayne Dwayne Johnson thing. Santa Claus is coming to town. Look at this line. He sees you when you're sleeping. That's creepy. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good. I mean, it sounds more like Darth Vader than a guy in a red suit is jolly. So you better be good, for goodness sake. All right? So you get the point here. See, what happens is Santa, whether you're naughty or nice and all of that, you know, checking the list and all that sort of thing, we are giving that view to God in our relationship with him and it's affecting everything. Check this out. The Bible says in Romans 3, that's not how it is, though. God says, I got a new deal for you. I got a new package for you. That's what the New Testament really means There's a new deal. God, now God has shown us a different way to connect with him, not by being good enough and trying to keep his laws, but by a new way, a new way. Now, God says he will accept and acquit us Declare us not guilty if we do one thing. If is a powerful two-letter word. If we trust Jesus to take away our sins. Woo. And we all can be saved in the same way by coming to Christ. Look at this wording. No matter who we are or what we have been like. See, in the Old Testament, the Jews were trying to keep the law. They so missed it. There were 613 rules. And they're working their butts off to try to keep these rules. And and, and they could do 612 and miss one. And that would... that, that You know, zero on your test. You had to do them all. And the point of the law wasn't so that you try to keep all the rules. The point of the law was to remind you, you are not able to keep the rules to let you know you need someone else to stand in your place who could keep all of the rules and was perfect. And you put your trust in his perfection, not in your imperfection, and transfer your trust to him. And by grace through faith, you receive what he did for you. The law reminds you that you need a savior. You need a Savior. But see, we don't see ourselves the way we really are. There are people in this room right now. You don't see yourself the way you really are. Well, If we did a little bit, a little bit of a survey, let me ask you a question. By a by showing of hands, how many of you in this room have ever lied? Raise your hand. Okay. If you're not raising your hand, you're a liar. Okay? <laughs> okay? All right. How many of you, I mean, come on, group therapy. How many of you have ever um, have ever Like, stolen something, taken something from somebody else. Okay. Wow, look at all the liars and thieves in this room. It's (laughs) unbelievable. All right, how many of you, don't raise your hand, just think this, don't raise your hand to this next question. How many of you ever lusted in your heart? See, the Bible says in the New Testament, if you even look lustfully upon a woman, you've committed adultery. So if that's you, and I suspect it's you and me, we're, we're all in this room a bunch of liars, thieves, and adulterers you praise God Merry Christmas <laughs> welcome to connect I'm so glad I came Woo! this was worth it standing in line here's why I do that because unless you see yourself as a sinner you'll never realize you needed a Savior you will never realize that the Bible says for all sin and fallen short everyone all of the glory the majesty the perfection the purity Of God and the Bible says you're not good enough to pay the penalty of your sin that's why we needed God and so he came to earth yes as an innocent child so we could all approach him and then he lived a sinless life so we could admit our need for him and then he rose after he died on the third day so we could have authority over this life that's why Jesus did all of that for you and for me and so that's not about religion That's all about relationship. He did that for me and for you personally. And that's why it's going to require a personal response. Personal response. So this is what I want to do. I want you to just take a minute right now. Would you close your eyes just for a second? I want to take a minute. I want to pray for some people in this room. Because I don't think it's an accident that you're here. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm not going to do anything crazy or weird. I'm just going to give you a chance to connect with God right where you are. So you get that personal thing, right? It's a transfer of trust from you to him. What he did was personal, so what you have to choose is to make it personal for you. Have you ever have you ever personally trusted in what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago, by coming into this earth an innocent baby? So that you can see that he's trying to be in relationship with you. By living a sinless life to show you, you can't do it, but he did it. By dying for you to pay the penalty for your sin. And then coming back to life so you can overcome in this life. He did all of that. And one day, you and I are going to stand before God. And God's going to say, sir, ma'am, boy, or girl, every single person in this room. What's up with you and my son? What was your choice while you were there on earth? That matters today. As we're talking, salvation is found in no one else. For God so loved the world that whosoever, that's all people, would believe in him and not perish. They, could, they would not perish, but as a result have eternal life. If that's you, and you know God is kind of tapping on your heart, the door of your heart, I'm just telling you, the handle is on the inside. Only you can open that. I can't open that. Only you can. And so as a sign that you're saying yes to God, I want to pray for you. But as a sign, I'm going to ask you to boldly. Nobody looking around. Just raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to make sure I'm in good standing with God before I leave on Christmas Day. Good night. Thank you. Yes, thank you for your courage all over the room. That's awesome. Awesome. Don't miss it. Heaven sees what you're doing. Heaven sees it. Thank you. You can put your hands down. That's awesome. God bless you. Church, will you pray this prayer with me? And those that raise your hand, they're joining with you, but you say this from your heart. Say, Jesus, I invite you into my life on Christmas Eve, 2016. I get it. I transfer trust from what I could do for myself to what you did to save me. Come into my heart. I want to have relationship with you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand clap for all those people that made that choice. Amen, amen.